Welcome to the European Cricket Podcast with Joel Rubenstein and Richard Black. The uh, podcast, the European Cricket Podcast. Do you want to explain why we've decided to do this, Richard? Yeah, so we just really want to bring uh, European cricket to the limelight. We don't think there's much uh, or as much focus as what there could be. So this is a really good opportunity to kind of focus purely on the European cricket. Fantastic. And what's your background kind of working with uh, European cricket? What's your general interest in it? So currently I work as the performance director and national team head coach of the Serbian national cricket team. And how did you come about doing that? So basically I've got a, a real love of, uh, of European cricket uh, and I wanted to work within a grassroots project working with locals um, and Serbia kind of encompasses that, that role. Um, you know, we're working really uh, with, with, with uh, people at, at grassroots level uh, and it's, it's a really good project. Fantastic. And what do you know about Serbia? You know, you, you kind of, uh, how did you find the role? So, basically, I originally looked on the European cricket website uh, and looked for which countries played and were participating in, in national competitions. Um, and I saw that Serbia was, was one of those countries. Um, and the biggest draw for me is that I knew um, that there was a real lack of funding for cricket within Serbia. And I felt that I could make a real difference uh, to that um, and you know I, I think it's a really good a really good project and, I, and I'm really excited for the for the year ahead you know we've got our first World Cup qualifiers coming up or due to due to be happening in, in July um, so it's a really exciting time serving cricket okay and who, who will you be playing in uh, in that competition then so we in our group so basically Europe is split into three groups um, there are two groups that are going to be in um, Finland and our group will be in Belgium. Yep, and that's Group C, isn't it? Group C, correct. So in our group we have Denmark, Austria, Portugal, Isle of Man, Czech Republic, Serbia, um, and I think it's Romania. It is Romania, correct, yeah. Yeah. So it's a really exciting time. Our first first qualifiers, um, you know, it's going to be a real challenge for us, but it's something that I know the boys are really looking forward to and, and I think it's going to be a really, really uh, exciting time for us. So for those that maybe don't know, like myself, um, and I'm sure a lot of other mad cricket fans, who would you say out of your group are probably maybe the better teams and who would you be, where do you kind of sit in terms of um, ability and who do you think uh, you maybe could beat? So the strongest teams in our group will certainly be Denmark. Um, They have got a real proven track record of performing well at international tournaments um, dark horses I would say are probably Belgium um, they on home soil should be strong I think they've got a real influx of, of expat cricketers which has really benefited their programme um, in terms of ourselves look I mean we've got to be realistic in where we are we're, we're heading into our first tournament um, we have a real lack of funding um, and unlike teams for example like Belgium we don't have a massive influx of of expats so we are purely focusing on local Serbian players which though it's it's really exciting for us uh, that does bring a ceiling in terms of our potential achievement within the competition so look if we can win one game I think we'd be really happy uh, we've played two games of international cricket so far and, and we're yet to win a game so if we can win one game I think we'd be absolutely delighted with that no, fantastic. And who would you say, kind of, for those that don't know, might be uh, kind of star players, um, kind of to look out for? Yeah, so 
we've got a, a lad, Adrian, uh, Adrian Dunbar, who um, who is the only guy to score 100 on uh, T20 international debut. Uh, he got that against Bulgaria a couple of years ago now. Um, yeah, October 2019. Yeah, so so he's, he's certainly one to look out for. Um, the, the good thing that we've got is some really good young players coming through. Uh, so we've got Matea, Jovan, um, Rahman, who are who are just good, solid cricketers with, with a lot of talent, but also very, very raw. But I think they're certainly ones to look out for uh, moving forward. So would your strength then be yeah, bowling, batting, fielding? What 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 tends to be kind of your strongest suit? I mean, I'd say, I'd say certainly we, we're probably looking down the bowling route of things. I think we're quite reliant on on one, maybe two players batting-wise, whereas bowling, I think we've got a little bit more depth. Okay. Um, so hopefully, you know, if we can get a score together, uh, we can kind of build a bit of pressure and, and build from there, really, with, with some of our young lads bowling-wise. But I guess with the, the, the qualifiers, they're T20 matches, aren't they? Yeah. So does that kind of lend, because you see kind of more... Um, with kind of the professionals and the top end kind of game, we saw it tonight in the uh, England-India game. Sometimes it's one or two knocks that can kind of make the difference. You don't need the whole of your top six to kind of score runs. So, do you think that maybe gives you more of a chance, kind of as it's a shorter format? Yeah, I mean, look, you know, the shorter the shorter the format, obviously that will bring that will bring uh, bring us into the game slightly more. But I think we need to be realistic in terms of where we're at. You know, for example. Though, though you know we're hoping to compete as well as we can in the tournament. Realistically, there are teams that have better infrastructure. Uh, they have better, you know, more money, have have more expats, for example. So in theory, we will be massive, massive underdogs. But yes, I think T Twenty probably brings us a bit more into the game. Okay, and because I know you're, because obviously we're best mates, and uh, you know I know you well. You're based in the UK, so how does the kind of uh, coaching system work uh, for yourself because obviously you're not physically in Serbia. So no, how does that so work? In a normal situation, I would travel out um, during during the school holidays because I, I teach here. Um, but obviously with COVID, it's become a bit more difficult. So just to give you a bit of background, we've got one level two coach in Serbia who does a tremendous job. Um, well, running things things out there. Um, he works with the juniors and and now with the national team. Um, so Bogdan, Bogdan's great with that. Um, and what we've done is we've joined uh, forces with a company um, called Ludimus, which is a um, cricket coaching platform. So what that does is, basically during the sessions in Serbia, uh, we get footage of players. Um, and now we've got six level three coaches that look at videos, give players feedback, and then Bogdan runs sessions in Serbia to help players develop their own game from that. So yep. to give you an example, um, some of the young lads have sent uh, footage themselves um, and there's some, some technical things bowling wise and we've developed sessions so that they can go away and work on that under Bogdan's guidance whilst uh, you know yeah during sessions and how many sessions do you do uh, a week then would it be so we're currently running we're very lucky at the moment you know we've been running sessions throughout Covid which is I think pretty unique in terms of European uh, well probably worldwide cricket really um, so we run three sessions a week uh, on a Tuesday Thursday and Saturday Okay, and how how long would each session be then? For a couple of hours. Um, we've got a a sports hall in. I say we've got a sports hall. We use the uh, the university in Belgrade sports facilities in um, 
in the centre of town. Um, I mean, they're they're not really facilities that we would we would know here. It's a really basic old sports hall. Okay. Um, you know, we don't have any. Uh, there's no form of net facility in Serbia whatsoever. Okay. Uh, we're not able to use hard balls indoor either. So we're quite limited in what we can do. But there's a lot of drill-based stuff that we do with the boys, um, and some indoor games is, is our main main kind of training methods at the moment. Okay. And in terms of the pool of players. Um, how many clubs are there in uh, Serbia at the moment? So eight clubs, uh, majority around Belgrade. Um, yeah. But there are two clubs in the north of Serbia. Um, kind of, they're like Romani, Romani cricket clubs. So they focus really on on the townships within Serbia, working with some really poor um, financial, you know, financially based people. Um, so yeah, and and that's gives us about 150 uh, active playing members within Serbia. And are you able to reach out to the Romani community at all? Is there is there talent coming through or? Yeah, so Ivan runs a really strong program in the north. Uh, we've got currently two boys that have come through. Actually, there's three. There's three boys that have come through the Romani uh, Romani setup in the north, which which is tremendous, and they do a fantastic job up there. I mean, again with really limited money we, we kind of rely on donations uh, in terms of uh, cricket equipment so with what they've got up there I think they do a really really good job and and you know fair play to them for for doing what they do okay and I know you mentioned earlier about some of the countries um, having expats is that something you would be looking to kind of uh, include or are you looking for purely um, people living in Serbia to kind of play for the team and kind of build from there look I mean it's in an ideal situation you try and find players from outside outside the country um, but you know it's, it's hard for us because you know we can't afford flights for, for players etc etc so you know I think our main focus at the moment is really about trying to trying to develop from within and you know if we can find a player here or there then then tremendous but you know that's that's more difficult than, than some of the bigger countries I'd say because they'd be able to afford flights and accommodation etc whereas whereas we're not in that boat. Of course and you know we talk about kind of you know you coming into this kind of Serbia role um, talking as a friend where do you want to kind of take basically Serbia maybe in the long you know in the long term kind of what's what's the goals they've got for you and you've got for them and you know further on if you were successful how how high could could uh could you go in within the kind of coaching remit i think in the short term you know we're looking at trying to win a game of cricket international game of cricket i think it'd be a massive buzz to the to the whole country in itself longer term you know if we can sustain ourselves and, and ensure that we're competing at international tournaments you know i'm not by any means saying that we're going to come out of our group and, and, and win the group because obviously that's that's a long way away but I think if we can compete with some of the better nations um, then I'd be delighted with that um, until someone like Serbia gets within the EU if that ever happens I don't see how we're going to get as many expats as those that are within the EU for, for obvious reasons so yeah I think within the next you know in the next year or so let's win our first game of cricket Yep. And from there on, let's try and compete at the highest level that we can. Okay. And you personally, like, where do you want to kind of 
go you know you talk about winning a game but say you become successful where like how how can you go within like your career progression i guess you know for maybe cricket fans kind of listening you know just to give you some background and richard and i'm sure you can explain more you know your your this isn't your day-to-day job this isn't your full-time job do you want to tell people what your day-to-day job is yeah so my day-to-day job is uh, i'm the head of cricket at the royal grammar school in uh, in guildford in the uk um, yeah so that's, my, that's my main role this serbia role is a you know a voluntary role that i've taken on to develop the game within serbia um so in, ter- in terms of my coaching you know i've i'm very much uh you know I- i've said to the guys in serbia that i want to be a part of their journey i don't see i don't see this as a short-term thing i want to really help develop the game and and get people involved and, and move the national team on in terms of me moving forward i'm not really sure um i've I've got a job as it is within the UK, so I don't necessarily need to to move up the coaching ladder as such. Um, so I, I'm happy with what I'm doing. If something came up a, a bigger country further down the line, obviously you'd then look at it. But for now, I, I'm really happy with what we're doing. So there's no plans to to move on anytime soon. I can assure you that. No, of course, and I'm sure if anyone is listening, um, you know they'll, you know, especially. The Serbians, I'm sure they'll appreciate that. But if I, you know, had like a magic wand, you know, is there a dream job that you, you know, it, it could be in this country, it, you know, it could be, you know, coaching another country. What what would it be? It's a good question. It, it depends on what angle I want to take. I mean, it's whether I focus purely on the teaching side and do this as kind of like a side hobby or whether I focus purely on uh, career coaching. I'm kind of siding with the fact that I like this as a little bit of a side side part because coaching is quite cutthroat you know you take on a quite a big job as as you'll see with uh, with you know with, with um, the coach at top level you start to lose a few games and all of a sudden it's you're out your job I, I like the idea of having this on the side because actually my, my main passion though it's cricket is also teaching kids okay so I think I think moving forward if I could teach and stay involved in a national setup somewhere then then i'd be happy I, I can't put a finger on where exactly um but yeah that's kind of my thoughts moving forward yeah that's good and it's interesting to kind of see kind of your thoughts kind of um bring it back i know you said you know you enjoy teaching kids but obviously you know your passion is cricket so growing up you know who would have been kind of your maybe your cricket heroes so i'm a wiki keeper by trade um, and my absolute hero was uh, Jack Russell. Of course, yeah. Um, I mean, he was an absolute magician. Because, um, and he was someone I very much looked up to. In terms of coaching, um, yep. I... <laughs> Andy Flower, I guess, is a modern era. Duncan Fletcher, 2000, 2005. I thought was an absolute master at his craft. And he was somebody that I think was tremendous in terms of you know we know his coaching side of things is, is is really good but just managing the characters within that england dressing room you know he had real different characters in that side from from ian bell who's by all accounts quite quiet up to peterson's and and flintoffs and guys that are a little bit more um outspoken including michael Vaughan. you know so i think the way that he's managed 
players as well as coaching, I think has been tremendous and something that I've really looked up to. And talking about kind of Duncan, I think that's a really good kind of segment is how would you deal with then if you had those kind of, um, I'd say more flamboyant uh, players? Because I think it's something, you know, I'm sure we'll talk about during the podcast of how the English media and the English deal with that, which is a topic of conversation in all sports I kind of am fascinated about. But how would you deal with those maybe uh, more flamboyant characters that may be harder to, to manage in the dressing room? That's a hard one because I'm not in that situation. But I mean, if I was, you could probably look at it one of two ways. You can either give more responsibility to that player, hoping that that might bring out the best of them, or even things like um, just asking their advice here and there. You know, um, what, what do you think about this? Or just things along those lines to make them feel a part of that side. I felt that at times England potentially shut Kevin Peterson out, um, and that probably got his back up at, at, at points. So I think more responsibility whether that be asking for advice or kind of that kind of role or a form of leadership role uh, might work that would be my angle of attack I think on, on that front talking of the leadership obviously we saw you know and we're talking you mentioned Kevin Peterson obviously he was given the captaincy and obviously it didn't work out particularly well do you think sometimes you know a lot of those characters you know we've had it with Freddie, even uh, going further back at Beefy, maybe they're not the best captains, but naturally leaders. Do you think that's maybe a difference that maybe, um, that, you know, and even Ben Stokes now, I wouldn't say, you know, I wouldn't put him as a captain, but is definitely a leader of that dressing room. Do you think that's maybe where they fit more in those kind of characters than, yeah, than as a I specific think valid, captain? I think that's a really valid point. It might be that they're not necessarily captain material but you can still incorporate them in a way that would keep them involved like as in you know Ben Stokes as a vice captain where he's got responsibility but not necessarily all of the responsibility might be a good way to look at it uh, as I said keeping someone involved and keeping them in that leadership setup I think is a really good way to go because it just keeps them I guess feeling loved um, and I think Kevin Peterson probably Maybe even Andrew Flintoff to an extent, because he does speak about Duncan Fletcher ignoring him and at, at times. Yep. These guys are still humans, and I think they still want to be to be loved and and almost have egos rubbed to an extent. So I think the leadership role is a good option, whether it's necessarily as captain. That's that's up for debate. And by what you've said and and everyone else has probably seen. Maybe they don't make the best captains, but that's uh, it's an interesting thought. Yeah, no, no, it's, yeah, it's interesting to kind of get you, you, you know, your opinion on it. You know, you and I have spent hours um, just as friends chatting about these kind of things. So it's you know, it's always interesting to kind of get your thought on it. What I, what I wanted to ask is because obviously you know with kind of more focusing on Europe and the kind of qualifiers coming up. How does it work with kind of COVID? And do you know if it's definitely going to go ahead? I know, wasn't it meant to go ahead last year and it was delayed? Is that correct? Yeah, so it was used to go last year, uh, but obviously because of COVID, it, it didn't. I mean, I, I do feel a little bit sorry for the ICC because they do have a lot of plates to juggle. It's not just how the venue's looking, it's not what's going on in Belgium as such. I mean, yes, that is a massive part, but, you know, create. Um, Czech Republic are in, a, are in a lockdown still. Isle of Man are in a lockdown still. Serbia aren't sure whether 
they're able to travel because there's no direct flights to Belgium. So there's a lot of things that they've got to got to work out the ICC, and they've made a commitment that they will decide that three months in advance, um, which is fine. But the issue is you're not going to get a full picture probably at that point. So they've got a really difficult job to kind of work out which way to turn. I mean, looking at it realistically, I'm not sure whether it can go ahead because they're not. You can't be a hundred percent sure how it's going to pan out, and you know if, if they do make a do make a decision in, in April that it can go ahead and it can't financially they're gonna they're gonna be a bit more of a of a loose end I guess so it's gonna be a difficult decision for the ICC but I wouldn't be surprised if it wasn't played this year. Okay, and I, I, I'm I'm not sorry I don't know how it works. You know, obviously we look at kind of England and the kind of bubble life and how it's worked at kind of India and you know kind of the main test playing nations would there would you have to do maybe something similar um in belgium or would there be like um you see with like the premier league footballers and sports people kind of more freak you know frequent testing with it is that something that's going to have to come into it for if it's to go ahead do you think yeah, so they, they've already spoken to us about taking um tests before we board the flight and also um and also ensuring that people home quarantine. Now, I don't know how how that would be managed or whether people would do that. That's quite a lot of trust in individual nations. But I guess taking tests before you get on the flight would give you a good indication, I guess, of where you are in terms of COVID. Equally, they want everyone there two days before, so you can do a quarantine uh, prior to that, prior to the actual tournament. Okay, so they're suggesting maybe like a 48-hour quarantine before any games kind of take place yes that's, that's what they're thinking okay no it's interesting to know you kind of to see kind of where what's kind of the expectations and how that kind of works compared to maybe other sports um and i'm guessing um fans won't be able to go if they wanted to watch if anyone was in belgium or uh, we, we don't really know and that, that's also that's also quite difficult um because we were hoping that maybe players that couldn't play in the tournament or weren't selected in the tournament could come uh, in some form, kind of as a, as a, uh, I guess a thank you for what they've done for Serbian cricket. Yep. We were hoping to take a few extra guys with us, but obviously if they can't come, that would be a real downer. But games will be streamed on uh, on uh, YouTube, but obviously that's not quite the same as being there with the team. Of course. And how many how many players are you usually allowed to take? kind of a tournament like this so 14 players and three staff okay okay so how how would your makeup you know you must have you know if i was saying we're going tomorrow we're flying out do you have those 14 names in mind already or not at all um, look you've got some players in there that, that you know will make the side um there's always places up for grabs i've probably got you know in a 14 man squad there's probably eight or nine places up for grabs I would say at this point, if I'm being really honest with you. So, you know, it's, it's a real free-for-all. Um, and, and I think that's really healthy. You know, you, you need competition, especially at a, a country like Serbia, because with that competition comes uh, increased attendance at training, which we also need. So it, it's healthy competition, and, you know, we're really excited for that. And I know the boys are really, really chomping at the bit to get out there. And, you know, and they'd be really heartbroken, I think, if, if we weren't able to play the qualifiers this year, it'd be a real downer for us. 
boys have worked extremely hard to get to where they are at the moment and though 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 we want to make sure that everyone's safe during the competition etc and we need to make sure that the ITC do right which I know they will as a country the boys would be absolutely heartbroken if they couldn't get out there but look we understand that's, that's just the nature of the beast and if you know worst comes to worst that is the case how, how would you pick up their spirits so what, what we're already starting to do is starting to look further forward um, so we're starting to plan stuff for uh, October for uh, international games so I've, I've mentioned to the board that but I've already flagged it that if this isn't to go ahead we need something to look forward to beyond that so we're due to fly out to Corfu in October for the Balkan Cup, which consists of ourselves, so Serbia, uh, Greece, and Bulgaria, um, and potentially Romania, but I think that they're uh, elsewhere at that time. But it just gives us something to look forward to. You know, if we know we can't go to the World Cup qualifiers, yes, that would be pretty bad for us. But equally, if there's something to look forward to, I think the boys would uh, would really enjoy that and appreciate it. And I guess for for like any team, you know, to be able to play any cricket uh you know a decent level you know competitive cricket is going to help improve the players is that is there any i don't know how it works is there any way of kind of arranging any maybe a couple of pre if the tournament does go ahead any pre pre games to kind of get used to it or kind of because obviously you said you've only played two games and um probably not for the last year you've played a, a competitive game is there any way of kind of doing that to kind of see where you are at what kind of level because it's all well and good doing kind of net sessions like you've said but until you're kind of under pressure you don't really know how mentally people are going to cope yeah i mean look ideally we would have international games leading into this the issue is is that we just don't know and the chance of those being viable are probably really slim so i know for example belgium are playing you know malta and romania in in I think maybe Austria as well in, in a series leading up to competition which is which is great in theory in a normal year but you know it's quite a big move to kind of plan stuff like that prior to the tournament in a Covid year so what we are doing is we are having training camps twice a month leading up to um, the tournament from April through to July and these will be very much game based uh, mixing teams and Okay. going hard at each other I think for me it's it's kind of relaying to the boys that it's important that we take this as much as we can like a game yep. um, because if not you run the risk of not getting out of it actually what you want and I think the key is we need to get game practice match practice out of it look it's going to be very different to an international game I, I get that but of course. you kind of have to work with what you've got at that point so the, these will be like intra-squad games, you know, we've we've seen kind of, uh, happens probably more in football, but we've seen kind of more recently, um, The, the I, know, I know the Australian uh, cricket team have done a couple of those um, that have worked quite successfully. Um, so it's kind of looking for something similar, I guess. Yeah, and I think so. You know, it's better than nothing, but also it's more realistic than trying to host a tournament. I, I, I can't see how, if July is not viable, how teams can travel to other countries in in May, for example. So I think we need to plan as if that can't happen. So, and that's what we've done. Uh, you know, I think that's that's quite important. 
No, of course, and I completely understand that. But then if... And I'm playing devil's advocate. You know, you said Belgium might be doing, uh, you know, um, kind of a pre-tournament competition. Do you think that might give them maybe an unfair advantage over maybe kind of other countries? No more so than having 100, 130 grand more a year in terms of finance and, and having cricket cities. Look, I, I don't course. think we can compare ourselves to Belgium. Okay. Because they are head and shoulders above above us on many a front. As I said to you, financially, of course. Uh, facilities, um, expats, etc. So we, it's dangerous for us to compare ourselves to Belgium. But, but I mean, in terms of their, in, in terms of teams around their level, yeah, of course it will put them at, at an advantage. But that's just the way it is. I mean, you know, you're in the middle of a global pandemic, so it's difficult to plan plan for that. Really. I know it's still a while away, and you're probably still doing your your preparation on kind of opposition. But is there only you know maybe one or two players that kind of within you, you know within your group that you know stand out to you as kind of maybe a cut above yeah I mean Adrian Adrian will be our, our best player um, and from there on it, it's all pretty similar and what about what about other countries because I know you've mentioned Adrian for yourself but is there anyone that maybe you've seen from other countries that maybe you're wary of yeah I mean you know Freddie Clocker in, in Denmark's a good cricket he's played played for Warwickshire the MCC etc so He's a good player. We know that. Uh, Sherry Butt in Belgium. You know he gets a lot of their runs, and we know that he's a good player as well. But look, anyone can have a, as you said, anyone can have a have a good day in a 2020 competition. So you know, you've got to be aware of everyone we play, and and that's always the the hard thing. Um, you know, as I say, any dog can have his day, and and if someone comes off, then then it's a completely different kettle of fish. But they're the two guys that I think will stand out in terms of players to watch within our group. And, you know, kind of, would you say you're kind of, I'm trying to think, like, compared to, like, you know, like, club cricket standard, would you say you're, like, club cricket standard, or would it be worse than that, or kind of that kind of level, or? I think at the moment, we're probably, if you're looking at a Premier League club within the UK, okay. you're probably looking at a third eleven. Yep. So, that's kind of where we're at, whereas someone like Denmark will probably be between the ones and the twos. Okay, so it's good to kind of get that kind of understanding for kind of myself as an outsider, and I'm sure anyone that you know would be listening to kind of get some kind of context for it. Um, what what I thought might be a fun thing to kind of do is I know you're not based in Serbia, but uh, maybe just ask you some you know general questions to see how much you know about Serbia as a country and as a culture. Um, so I, I, I kind of have thrown you under the bus. I did kind of roughly mention it to you like uh, half an hour before, um, but they're quite straightforward. I've, I've got quite straightforward, some straightforward questions and some, you know, a couple of sport questions that I know you're, you know, you're not just a cricket fan. You know about football and stuff like that. So I thought I'd try it. Let's see how well you do. Um, and, you know, I'm sure if you don't do that well, then you've got enough time to learn and, uh, you know, by the end of this, you'll be an expert. Um, so question one would be, and don't worry, a cu- some of them are multiple choice, so you can guess it and, f- you know, see how you go. So question one would be, which country is to the north of Serbia? Now, I am taking these online, so I'm taking the answers are correct. So if they're not, I apologise. So options are Albania, 
Bulgaria, Hungary, or Macedonia? I think I know this one. Go on. Um, Hungary, I'm going to say, because I know that one of our uh, Romany counts is on the border with Hungary, and I think that's in the north. Correct. Good stuff. One out of one. Loving that. Uh, next question. Uh, of which country was Serbia part of in 1945 to 2003? Was it Czechoslovakia, USSR, Yugoslavia, or Romania? That's Yugoslavia. Spot on. See, I told you, not too bad, these questions. I'm being nice to you. Um, you ask me which countries make up Yugoslavia, aren't you? I was going to, and I did have the question ready, but I'm going to leave that, actually. I'm going to be nice to you. I'm going to go for an easy one, because... I reckon I could guess it. I, I, reckon, I reckon I probably could do it. Well, we might come back to that at the end, and we'll oh, see how right. we do. If, if you've got them all right, the questions, then maybe we'll throw that in as an end. Um, nice, easy one. Even, even I can get these. Next, well, actually, the next three questions I got on my list. What is the capital of Serbia? I'm not even going to give you the multiple choice because it's so easy. Don't need it, Belgrade. Exactly, one. beautiful. What is the currency of Serbia? Dina. Correct. I was going to give yeah, you. Mul- I, I was going to give you multiple choice, but I knew. No, I think I knew that one. I, I knew from the multiple choice that I had written down that I think you would have got it anyway. Um, what's the official language of Serbia? Correct. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. No, it wasn't. It wasn't. It's no. There's no trick to it. Um, and you did it before I even gave you the options, which would have been the ones I wrote down were German, Italian, Greek, and Serbian. So you didn't fall for for kind of going for anything else. No, no, no. no that, was, that was an easy one. Uh, hold on. Let's get this one because this will be quite interesting. Okay. So on according to uh, Cricket Serbia on Twitter, how many followers? To the nearest 50, do you think they've got? And no Googling it right now. You're such a you. You've definitely looked up because you've gone a hundred over. It's actually eight thousand one hundred and thirty. So I know you. I know you've cheated there. I know you've cheated. I swear on my life, I haven't googled it. Do you know how I know that? Go on. About four or five days ago, I tweeted something and copied in the handlebar of 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 the federation page, and I clicked on it then, and I knew it was around eight thousand. From there on, I had no idea. Well, you're pretty good. You're 100 out. So I know I said within the 50, but I'm going to give you that because that was pretty impressive. I've got to say, I'm very impressed with that. You're giving me stick there like I've cheated. Well, to be honest, because it sounded so accurate, I thought that sounded a bit dodgy. No, no, no. I'm not cheating. Um, Okay, next question. There are four Premier League footballers currently playing that are Serbian. Can you name all four? Yeah, Nemanja Matic, that's one. Ivanovic? Yeah. Who does Ivanovic play for? Who? Say again. Uh, Who? He plays for West Brom? Yeah, spot on. Two out of two. Uh, Alexander Mitrovic at Fulham? Yeah, last one. Now, this is the hard one because I know he, I know his first name. Luca. Yeah. Milosevic? Close. Who does he play for anyway? We'll go for that first. Oh. Yeah, it's Milivojevic, but... Milivojevic, okay, yeah. Good guess. Who scored at the weekend as well, this weekend, 
But yeah, Luka Milivojevic. That's pretty good. I'd say your Serbian knowledge isn't too bad. Well, yeah, I've been nice to you. I've been nice to you. I've not gone for like the history of kind of Serbia. That's as far as my knowledge goes. The, the only other bit is that I could probably name the Yugoslav countries, but I'm not sure I know anything other than that. Go on then. Let's see if you can do it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get it up ready, um, okay. and then you can name me the Yugoslav countries. Go on. Crack, give it a crack? Yeah, give it a crack. I, no, I, I can't tell if you're googling it or not, so you could cheat. But I'm going to give no, you the okay. I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt. Okay. Croatia. Yeah. Serbia, obviously. Yeah. Slovenia. Yeah. Montenegro. Yeah. Bosnia. Mm-hmm. Kosovo. Yeah. There's one more. So, repeat well, what you've said. There's one more. So, go through it again, what you've said. So, I've gone Croatia, Serbia, Slovenia, Montenegro, Kosovo. Yeah. Bosnia. Yeah. And... Yeah, you're missing one. Yeah, I know. Uh, wait, don't tell me. Do not tell me. Um, wait. That's it. Uh, yeah. You all right? Macedonia? Not yeah. Macedonia? Yeah, it's Macedonia. That is right? Yeah. Okay, fine. That was... Uh, yeah, that's not... That's not an easy one, though. No, you did well. That's good. But, no, so... There's a lot of countries. How many is that? Two... Seven. Four. Yeah, seven. Yeah, there you go. Nice. Could you have named them? That's the question. Could I... Well, now I've got it in front of me, yeah, and I should know it as I work in travel, but, uh, yeah, I might have struggled with that. I, 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 theoretically, I knew them, but I might not have been able to do it as well as, as quickly as you did. Yeah, I'm not... The problem is, though, I have had to do a little bit of research in terms of the role because obviously you can't go in completely blind. Yeah. But North Macedonia is a hard one because I wasn't. It's not the. It's not on the forefront of your mind when you think of Yugoslavia. Yeah. No. Absolutely. And I, just because I'm googling, I'm on the ICC website for Serbia. Uh, do you know when they kind of? I'm just reading uh, when they kind of set up. Uh, in the, in in the for, in the Kalamag. Megden Fortress in Belgrade. I'm just reading yes. now. When was that? That was in 2007, wasn't it? It was. Do you know what month? Oh God, not a clue. I'm going to say it's going to be in the summer sometime. I'm going to say it was. I'm going to no. I'm going to say it was June. I'm going to hedge my bets. June. Close September, but you've done pretty well. I've got to say, that's pretty good knowledge. Yeah, I, know, of... I know the story of that actually. Of how that is that on there? Uh, well, you can tell it because. So this is quite an interesting story. So. In well, September 2007, um, there was a an Indian gentleman who was friends of our now current or our now uh, secretary and and CEO, um, and he approached me and said, "Look, I want to I want to play for a cricket club in Serbia." And they had no idea what cricket was, but they said, "Look, we'll, we'll help you find a club." Anyway, so they, they searched high and wide for a club, and there was no clubs in Serbia. So they were like, "Okay, why don't you teach us how to play?" So fine. He he then taught them how to play cricket, and then. They invited some friends, and 
he then taught the friends to play. So what they did is, well, most weekends they turned up to the fortress in in Belgrade to play cricket and they had some organised matches. And one weekend they, they noticed there was another group of guys playing. So basically they all joined together and there was about 30 or 40 people playing cricket in the fortress of Belgrade. And from there, Serbian cricket was built and they basically made three clubs from that and then they haven't looked back since. Oh, wow, that's really interesting. Quite yeah. Cool story, yeah. It's really good. Yeah. Perfect. Uh, yeah. They uh they they ended up buying kit off eBay the next the next year. Uh, oh, wow. Really old kit, and they kind of just played with that. Really, that's all they had. That was quite amazing. Yeah. There I mean, you go. Still there. So we've got uh, Harris and Vlada, who are uh, Horace is the uh, the chairman, and, and Vlada is the uh, is the general secretary. That they're the two guys that I was talking about that were taught how to play by this Indian gentleman. There you go. That's pretty amazing. Yeah, so that's how it was. Nice. Well, we're just over forty minutes in. I think this is probably, you know, a good time to kind of call it quits and, uh, you know. Uh, end the episode and i'm sure we'll be doing more looking at kind of other nations um and hopefully speaking to uh, um, either cricketers within that nation or uh head coaches as well and looking more in depth kind of looking forward to hopefully uh the qualifiers going ahead uh in the summer um but this is joel calling out and richard black on the european cricket podcast thanks for listening Thank